Alrighty, so welcome everybody. Um, and we're doing this week's music without microphones, so if we're not loud enough, you've got to sing louder. <laughs> um, so today we're continuing our sermon series on Acts. And um, there's a story of the Ethiopian and Philip, uh, which is how my AI chose to draw the picture today. Philip with an Ethiopian teaching him scripture. Uh, Let's read the passage in Acts 8. Who would like to read it? Thank you, Tim. After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem, and they stopped in many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the good news. As for Philip, an angel of the Lord said to him, Go south down the desert road that runs from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and he met the treasurer of Ethiopia, a eunuch of a great authority under the Kandake, the queen of Ethiopia. The eunuch had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and he was now returning. Seated in his carriage, he was reading aloud from the book of the prophet Isaiah. The Holy Spirit said to Philip, Go over and walk alongside the carriage. Philip ran over and heard the man reading from the prophet Isaiah. Philip asked, Do you understand what you are reading? The man replied, How can I, unless someone instructs me? And he urged Philip to come up into the carriage and sit with him. The passage of scripture he had been reading was this. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. He was humiliated and received no justice. Who can speak of his descendants? From his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, Tell me, was the prophet talking about himself or someone else? So beginning with this same scripture, Philip told him the good news about Jesus. As they rode along, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, there's some water. Why can't I be baptized? He ordered the carriage to stop, and then went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. The eunuch never saw him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Meanwhile, Philip found himself farther north at the town of Azotus. He preached the good news there and in every town along the way until he came to Caesarea. Alrighty, so that's the passage we just read up there. And I just thought it would be interesting to start with you sharing your thoughts. What intrigued you about that passage? Or was there something that you just jumped out at you, really noticed? Anyone want to share? Teleportation. <laughs> right, isn't that weird? This teleportation. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away. Remarkable, isn't it? A non-Jew was reading Isaiah. Yep, that's a really interesting one, isn't it? Yes. No, just exactly. It's amazing, isn't it? Anyone else want to share something intriguing or a thought? Can I just hypothesize that maybe the reason Anandu was reading the scroll of Isaiah was all the way back to what's her name visiting Solomon? Queen of Sheba. Mm. I know that's. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
Pretty amazing, isn't it? How did he get the story? And also, no follow-up. This guy, you've just baptised, you're not following him up anymore, you're just trusting that God will, God will see him through. Where'd he go? Yeah. <laughs> yep. We were rejoicing because the guy was taken away, which would have been a confirmation. Some miracles happened. That's a really interesting thought. Yep. <laughs> And another one is the fact that you would have thought that Philip might have said to him, hey, mate, how about we get you baptised in some water? But it's actually the eunuch that actually brings up the issue and leads the way for the decision for that to happen. Isn't that remarkable? And that it happens in the middle of a desert. <laughs> Where'd the water come from? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it was immersed, wasn't it? <laughs> well, we don't need to get into that theological sticky point. <laughs> Actually, something that, that strikes me as really interesting is an angel turned up to Philip and just told him to go do something, and off Philip went. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to Philip, and he just went off and did it. So I'm going to invite Stephen up, who I talked to earlier today. Um, have a think about your life. Have there been times where you've just had an impression from the Holy Spirit to do something that doesn't make much sense and you've just gone and done it and has it had an impact. So I'm going to ask Stephen about that time. Stephen, tell me about a time in your life where the Holy Spirit prompted you to do something and it was an unusual thing and then it had a big impact. Well, thank you, Graham. Um, I was in high school and our church was on a... I was in our church choir, our youth choir, and we were going around, I think maybe, was it Virginia? I, don't have, I have no idea. We were off somewhere and singing at different churches and so forth. And I thought, you know, this is a good thing, but it's not exactly like building the kingdom per se. It's just like high school kids are out churches and we're singing songs that you probably already know, uh, but we're from a different state. Isn't that amazing? Uh, and so, which, no, I mean, it was a good thing, and, I'm not, and I don't say that to criticize anything, but uh, I thought, is there some way to, like, I had this sort of in the back of my mind, is there some way to, we're all here, we're Christians, we're, share, we, we're ready to share the gospel, what if some, some opportunity came up, and I was like, oh, there's the lady cleaning our, um, cleaning our rooms, the maid, the, uh, do, you know, uh, doing the room service. Like, well, I'll share the gospel with her. And I did. And it was like not your standard, like, brush you off and go on your way. It was like, oh, and? And then? And then? You know, like that scene from uh, that goofy Ashton Kutcher movie. And then? And then? Which... Blessed are you if you have no idea what I'm talking about. It's a goofy scene. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, just just some. He shows up at a drive-through and the lady keeps saying, "And then." Um, anyway, you know. But she and so she accepted Christ into her heart right then and there. From me, this like I don't know. I was like a year ten student with no authority or anything to. And she was a grown woman, um, but she was yeah. So right right then and there. And uh, speaking of follow up, I the like I think the. Um, 
the people uh, like the people who were with us sort of arranged for her to get in touch with a local fellowship and everything, which was which was great. But I didn't. Yeah, it was just a sort of as. No, I don't. I don't. But that was one experience. Thank you, Stephen. But you'll meet her again one day. I think. <laughs> um, so I don't know whether you've had an experience like that where you felt a prompting from the Spirit to do something, like share the gospel with someone randomly, and it's had an impact. Um, but that certainly happened here, didn't it? Um, now, I reckon I brought a clicker today, if I can just find it. Yeah, yeah. thanks, Matthew. Let's see if that works. It does work. Okay. So I want to start by talking about categories. We all can categorize things well. It's part of our everyday life. We categorize things into one thing or the other thing. And so, for example, um, I often get referred patients to see with back pain. Right? And the first thing I do is I think, now what's causing their back pain? Now, working in palliative care, I have an important category. I only see people who are going to die of their illness. If you're not going to die of it, I don't see you because I don't know what to do. Uh, if you're not going to die. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, so this is a lady that had back pain yesterday and we did a CT scan of her, the top, top one. And you can see there's that little uh, crushed sort of vertebrae. Uh, no, sorry, this bottom one. It's the one from yesterday. There's this little crushed vertebrae, this narrow thing. See these nice square ones and there's this crushed one. Then you go up two higher, there's this one which has this circle cut out of it. That's a lady whose back pain is from cancer, sort of invading into that, and that's that circular thing. Now, another patient I've been referred before is this lady above with back pain. And you can see she's also got this little crush thing. Her crush is just due to osteoporosis. It's a miserable illness to have, I guess. It causes back pain, but she's not going to die from it. So when I see a lady like her, no, nope, sorry, wrong category. She's not in the category I know how to manage. When I see the lady with the cancer, correct category, I know how to manage her. Um, although I can't save her life, so I'm a bit of a failure, I guess. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to actually say that humorously. Um, but we're good at binary categories as humans, aren't we? Um, for example, plants versus animals, or night and day, or land and sea. We're good at that. We, we sort of just naturally get it. What other categories are some of the categories you use in your life? Anyone have categories in their life that they block people or things into? <laughs> good kids and naughty kids, right? <laughs> at school? What other sort of categories are there? Ah, very good. <laughs> oh, Matthew, yeah. Yes, that's what he's into, my goodness. <laughs> Any other categories you use in your everyday life? Yeah, Neil. <laughs> the problem with the non-urgent ones is they get forgotten about and then this notice comes saying overdue payment. <laughs> so there are lots of categories. Now, in the ancient world, you, let's see if this works. Yep. Um, in the biblical world, we can see people divided into categories too. The Bible often divides people into categories and, and these are some of the categories that are really very apparent in the New Testament. Romans and non-Romans. So Paul, for example, got arrested and he turned out to be a Roman. So the Romans thought about people as either Roman or non-Roman. 
When the officer heard this, he went to the commander and asked, why are you doing this? This man's Roman. You can't just arrest him without a trial. Then the Jews, they divided people up. They thought of people as either Jews or Gentiles, people that weren't Jews. And, uh, you know, we see that in Acts 10, which will be coming too soon. Peter told them, you know, it's against the law for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home. And then even the Jews self-divided themselves up into two types of Jews. There were the, the Hellenic Jews, those that spoke Greek, and the Hebraic Jews, those from Israel who spoke Aramaic. You know, and, and they argued about each other in, in Acts 6, if you remember. <laughs> so in the biblical world, we see these categories where people are divided into the blacks and the whites as adversaries. They always seem to be categories that divide. Is that something God wants us to do? I mean, we, we all think in categories, but, but does God want us to categorise people to create divisions? Doesn't, does he? We can see that throughout the Bible. Look at all the times God tries to break down those barriers and say, stop categorising people in a way that creates divisions. In uh, Galatians, talking about forgiveness from sins and being part of God's family. There's no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male and female, for you're all one in Christ. From the very beginning of Genesis, although people are divided into male and female, we read, so God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. And then in Acts, we see Acts is all about breaking down barriers and stopping divisions. When uh, Jesus said to his disciples, you'll be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. People everywhere. Don't divide them up. You've got to tell everyone about me. And we see that in the day of Pentecost. People with all sorts of languages divided by their culture and language. But the Holy Spirit came down and he enabled the disciples, the apostles, to speak in all languages so everyone could understand the word of God. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages. So God doesn't want us to divide in categories that divide. We shouldn't be doing that, therefore. We shouldn't be categorising people to cause argument, to cause division. That's not what we're meant to do as Christians. If we are talking categories, it should really only be about bringing together, unifying, things that bring life. Having said that, I'm going to now categorise people. (laughs) Because the Bible does categorise people into two ways. It talks about those who know God and those who don't know God. Those who are in light and those who are in darkness. But of course the reason it talks about that is not because those who know God are better than those who don't know God, but because there are those who know God And there are those who need to know God. We want to bring everyone into that category of people who know God. Because we're all sinners. We're actually all in the same state. As it says in Romans, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by the grace of Jesus through the redemption that came by him. And then I want to talk a little bit about those who need to know God. Because this really lines up well with Acts 8. You remember last week we looked at the first part of Acts 8, which is the story of... You don't like to answer, Malcolm, because you gave the sermon. 
Simon the Sorcerer. Yeah, no. And then it leads directly into the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. And so we can see in Acts 8 there are those who need to know God, like the Ethiopian unit, that are actually seeking truth. Those who need to know God, some of, some of those people are people who are actually seeking the truth. The Ethiopian is a perfect example of that. Think about him. He came from somewhere down south, south of the Nile, south of Egypt, probably 2,000 kilometres away from Jerusalem at least. He travelled 2,000 kilometres to go find God. He came from a, from a country in a land that was polytheistic, that wasn't Jewish, and yet something in him drew him to Jerusalem. He was thinking about truth. What is the truth? And he spent, would have been weeks, getting all the way to Jerusalem. And that's even knowing that he wouldn't have been able to go into the temple. In uh, Deuteronomy 23.1, this is uh, something God commanded Israel. No one, it's a bit, um, everyone's old enough for this. Yep, too bad if you're not. <laughs> no one whose testicles are crushed or whose male organ is cut off shall enter the assembly of the Lord. So a eunuch, having had his testicles cut off, which was a common practice in, if you were a wealthy king, you'd, you'd make sure all your male servants had their testicles cut off so they could hang around your wives and you wouldn't have to worry about uh, a replacement heir. It was a, a common... <laughs> Uh, thing that was done in the ancient world, not in the Jewish world, of course, because God forbade it. Um, He would have known that, or should have known that, because he's reading Isaiah, and yet he was still willing to go all the way to Jerusalem to try to seek the truth, find out about God. And what's more, on the way back, we know he was was trying to seek truth, because there he was reading the scripture, and he didn't understand it, and he said, I don't understand this. I need someone to help explain it to me. He wanted to know the truth. And then as soon as he found out the truth, we know he was a truth seeker because he found out the truth, he heard about Jesus, he heard about forgiveness, he heard about baptism, and he said, right, I want to follow the truth, let's baptise me. He's a beautiful example of someone seeking the truth. He didn't know God, he knew he needed to know God. He was a truth seeker. And that story is positioned directly after an example of someone who was seeking something else. So in this world, people who don't know God, there are those seeking the truth and those seeking something else. And you can think about what those something else's are. Money, power, prestige, sex, pleasure, whatever. It's easy to fall into that trap and to seek those things. And ultimately, it usually comes down to seeking to be our own God, to be in control of our lives, our way, the way we want And Simon the sorcerer in Acts 8 was a perfect example of that. We know this because of the the way the story unfolds. He used to call himself the great power of God. He saw himself as God. He wasn't interested in the truth about the real living God. He wanted to be God himself. He was interested in the miracles. He wasn't interested in the words of God, the teaching of God. He was interested in the miracles or the power because he wanted to have that power for himself. And you can see that. He uh, came to the apostles and he said, I'll give you money and you give me the ability to display this power of the Holy Spirit. He tried to buy it. Power is what he was interested in, not truth, not forgiveness, 
not right relationship with God. So he's an example totally different from the eunuch. Of He's not a truth seeker at all. He had different things he was seeking. Uh, just worth remembering the words of Jesus here, actually. Jesus said, seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened. Those who don't know God who are seeking the truth, they will find him. Jesus has promised that. But in the same way, those who are seeking something else in life, they'll find that. They won't find God, they'll find what they're seeking. And uh, those are, I guess, powerful words from Jesus to remind us of that. And should also remind us that we can't force people to be faithful to God. You can't manufacture someone's faith for them. They've got to be seeking the truth themselves. So they're the people who need to know God, the truth seekers and those seeking something else. In the same way, people who know God can also be divided up two ways. They can be divided into those who are prepared, like that man there praying on a mountaintop. And Philip is a really good example of someone who was prepared. Think about Philip. He obeyed God. God told him to do something, he obeyed. He heard the Spirit speak to him. He was ready to listen to the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit said, do something, he ran. Look, uh, it said, uh, the Holy Spirit said, go, so he ran up to the chariot. He just wanted to do what God wanted him to do straight away. Then when the Ethiopian invited invited him up, he was prepared to tell the good news. He was prepared to share it, and he did share it said that in verse 35. Philip told the eunuch the good news about Jesus. And the thing was, he wasn't just ready to do it. He could do it. He knew the scriptures. We can't tell people about Jesus if we actually don't know about Jesus. And Philip was prepared. He had obviously spent time prayerfully listening to God, but he had spent probably months and years learning about God from the scriptures. And so that's one of the reasons it's so important to know the Bible. Because how can we tell people about Jesus if we don't know the Bible? How can we answer their questions and be ready to share with them um, the water of life? And then Philip baptised him, of course. So it's a good, good chapter. Acts 8 tells us about those who know God who are prepared, those who need to know God and are seeking him, and those who need to know God but aren't seeking him doesn't tell us any, no other people in Acts chapter 8, but the other group of people um, is of course unprepared. And that's something that we can easily be as Christians if we allow ourselves to be. And I thought about um, the apostles and the disciples. They weren't always prepared. Think about what happened on the night Jesus was arrested and they ran away. Think about some of the things that happened. Jesus got arrested and at that point all the disciples deserted him. And then Peter was around a fire trying to keep warm as Jesus was on trial. And what happened? Someone said, you know him, don't you? You were with him. And he denied it, saying, I don't even know the man. Perfect examples of people who weren't prepared to listen to God and to obey God and to share the news about God. And we can be like that too. So there are two types of people in this world according to the Bible. In fact, maybe there's four. Which one are you?
Maybe you're someone who needs to know God, but actually isn't seeking him. Jesus talked about this. He said, if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for you'll hate one and love the other. You'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You can't serve God and be enslaved to money. We can all be, if we don't want to follow God, we can seek something else. But we'll become enslaved to it. We'll take away our chance of ever knowing God. Or maybe, maybe you are someone who needs to know God and you're seeking the truth. Remember, Jesus said, keep on asking, you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking, you will find it. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. Everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. More likely, you know God already. Are you the unprepared Christian? Remember what Jesus said to the unprepared servant in the parable of the servants with the talents, ten, five and one talents. He said to the one with one who didn't invest it, he said, the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you knew I harvested crops and didn't plant and gather crops and I didn't cult- that I hadn't cultivated, if you knew that I gathered crops I hadn't cultivated, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have got some interest on it. I don't want to be there on judgment day and have Jesus say that to me. I don't think any of you do either. Hopefully, you're the prepared Christian. And the master will say to you, well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate. So, who are you there? Do you need to know God? If so, are you a truth seeker or are you seeking something else? Do you already know God? And if so, are you prepared or are you the unprepared? Because it's a choice. Which one of those categories we are is our own choice. You could choose to be any of those. I can choose to be any of those. So I think we need to choose to be prepared and I know that's the prayer of many people in Renew and we should learn from Philip. There's a lot we can learn from him. Remembering that the kingdom of God grows just one person at a time. So we're not going to change the whole world on our own. But if you can just share the gospel with one person that might be enough to bring one more soul into the kingdom of God. And that is a very beautiful thing. But it doesn't end there. This uh, Tim Carden was telling me about this the other day. It's a great, great uh, illustration. Um, if I tell one person about God and that person becomes a Christian and that person tells one person about God or two people about God, there's an exponential growth happening. Two becomes four. Four becomes eight. Eight becomes 16. doesn't sound like many. You start with one grain on the rice board. The next square has two grains. Then the next square has four. Then one has eight. Then the next one has 16. Then 32. Then 64. And all of a sudden you get to big numbers, 128, 256, 512. 
And before you know it, by the time you get to the square 64, Tim, what's the number, Finn? <laughs> it's a very, very, very big number. Probably a bigger number than all the grains of sand on the earth, I think you told me. Enough to cover the whole world in rice. Enough to cover the whole world in rice. And there are definitely not that many people. So there is exponential growth that happens if we all are ready and prepared like Philip was. So that should be our prayer individually and as a church.